1: Well welcome back as so we head into hour two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty uh all credit to Bill Maher, really and his shows he had such a good show um this past weekend. I know he's not everyone's taste, but <clears throat> I will tell you this his panels and his one on one interviews are more revealing than any other news show on Sunday or anywhere else I've been able to um pick up um this is um uh, it's a, it's a comment of the odd times we live in. Who would knew, who would know that a comedian, by profession, uh, would be uh, getting out and distilling more truth than not? He did a one on one with Andrew Cuomo actually on Friday that was so interesting and telling. Um, going through the thing that the things that brought Andrew Cuomo down—they were the wrong things. Should have been his COVID response. Instead, it was what he got tripped up in. With regard to the Me Too movement, and Bill Maher went through the accusations, which in the light of today seemed like almost um, almost much ado about so very little. But Andrew Cuomo was asked why he um, why he thought Joe Biden should have called for him to leave office before even Joe Biden read the report, and Andrew Cuomo said, "Well, they were afraid of me." Uh, They knew I would challenge Joe Biden. And Bill Maher said, would you be challenging him now if you were still in office? And Andrew Cuomo said, probably, probably. And, you know, you almost wanted to like Andrew Cuomo for some of the things he was saying about the woke left. You almost wanted to. You have to you have to be careful with some of these Democrats who were burnt by their by 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 their by their woke base because they resent it. But, you know, they spent so much of their career in the time with their party coddling it and nurturing it and acquiescing to it. Sure, they were host, hoisted by that petard, but. I'm going to need to see a little bit more than just I hate that it affected me. You know, that's what they're saying now. I hate that it that it was a noose that got my neck. You know, we're going to need to see a little bit more. And if you watched 60 Minutes this past weekend, you would have seen Bill Whitaker interviewing Kamala Harris. And you would have asked yourself, is this the best we can do? I was I was doing a panel. David, when did we do our panel at the state legislature? When was that? Was that like September or something? Or Ju- July. Was it July? We were doing a – Dennis Prager and I were testifying at the state legislature. And uh, we were both just kind of slack-jawed with our friend Ann Atkinson. We were just kind of slack-jawed at how um, dumb – honestly, how dumb some of the Democratic Party legislators were. And uh, don't get me wrong, we have our problems on our side, but they were, our our side, you know, ate their wheaties and their side was being dumb. And I said to Dennis at the coffee break or lunch break, I guess it was, you were there, David. I said, "Um, they're not sending their best, are they? And Dennis said, I think they are. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think they are. And you look at this Kamala Harris interview on 60 Minutes last night and you wonder – We all know, everyone knows that the president is highly compromised right now in his ability and in his stamina. At least can we go to sleep at night knowing that if, God forbid, he couldn't rise to his duties, we would have a vice president right there at the helm who could take over and say, I got it, I got this. You would think that the administration or the party would ensure that would be the case. Instead, they put Kamala Harris out there on 60 minutes as they did last night or as they did this weekend whenever they taped it. And you get less confidence from her than you get from Joe Biden. She can't summon more than a one-word answer. A one-word answer when asked about the threat from Iran. One word. And then Bill Whitaker says to her, Bill Whitaker asks her, um, considering what you are laying out as your achievements, I'm reading from the transcript, you have the current frontrunner for the GOP facing what, 91 criminal ch- charges, yet the Biden-Harris ticket is running neck and neck with Donald Trump. Why are you not 30 points ahead? She says this, reading from the transcript, well, I'm not, I'm not a political pundit, so I'm not going to speak to that. I'm not a political pundit? So I'm not going to answer a question about our poll numbers for a race I'm about to enter and I'm in right now. No, she may not be a political pundit, but she is a politician. She is in politics. She is perhaps the second most important political actor in the world. The final question is what slays me. Bill Whitaker says, do you have to ask yourself, why are people seeming not to hear our message? And she says, I look at it more as let's keep getting out there. And as with any election, we got to make our case to the American people. That's part of our responsibility, and that's this process, and that's what it is, and that's a fair process. You like that poetry, Bill? I got, yeah, deep thoughts with Kamala Harris. That's part of our responsibility, and that's this process, and that's what it is. And that's a fair process. What is this like? For me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as a forward motion, a means of evolving a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. I think we have to work on seeing ourselves. You really like this, don't you, Bill? You wrote this. You took this out of what? Whose book was, was it? Kamala Harris's book? No, it was Michelle's, wasn't it? I think we have to work on seeing ourselves so that work has to start with us. You can't look to be seen outside of yourself. That is the constant work that each of us has to do to change the loop in our heads about not mattering. We have to rewrite that story. They just say exquisite. They, they do speak exquisitely, but they say nothing. They say absolutely Nothing. Again, Kamala Harris, I look at it more as let's keep getting out there and as with any election we got to make our case to the American people. That's part of our responsibility and that's this process and that's what it is and that's a fair process. Well, break it down just a moment. Let's keep getting out there. They're they're the president and the vice president. They need help getting it out there, whatever it is. How about the how about the policies we have to live under? How about How about How about people voting with their feet because they see the results? How much did Ronald Reagan have to get out there in 1984? People people saw what was being done for this country and in their own lives. We've got to make our case to the American people. Who's stopping you? You have the New York Times. You have CBS. You have CNN. You have the Washington Post. You have CBS in 60 Minutes. When they offer you a question, your response is, I'm not a pundit. Why do they think it's wise to put her out there? I... Is this country in a special moment of extraordinary decline and its leadership? Do you get the sense that the world is spinning out of control, but not just that it's spinning out of control, it's spinning out of control because all the wrong people are taking leadership positions, be they in China or Russia or Iran? Those people don't talk like this. They don't act like this. They believe in their country and they believe in their mission and they believe in themselves and they're doing to the world and we're not we're not we're showing such a vacuum of leadership and ability for our own countrymen and on the world stage that bad things are happening our border is a disgrace but beyond a disgrace it's causing all kinds of ancillary problems from crime to drugs and death to an explosion of the costs of social services that we can no longer afford. And don't tell me our legal immigration system isn't part and parcel of the problem on our campuses as well. And don't tell me that foreign countries waging financial and material support for anti-American institutions here and on our college campuses isn't part and parcel of it. And we don't take it seriously. They do. We don't. Every problem has a cause. He's a son of a gun. I love it. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. David, young David here, Grasshopper. Um, raised raised such an interesting question, and you come from a generation, David, that a lot of us have a lot of concerns about. We don't have generation
2: co- of weirdos. Well, we
1: don't have a concern about you. You are different, which to your generation might make you a weirdo.
2: I'm the weirdo weirdo. amongst the weirdos. You're the nonconformist. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Conservatism is the counterculture.
1: Isn't that funny? Yeah, isn't that funny? So you're part of this Gen Z group, but you asked a hell of a question, which was, you know, you think about everything that's taken place in the last 80 years, right? And it's a ton, you know, since the end of World War II. It's about 80 years. It's a ton. Probably more has taken place in the last 80 years in America alone Than perhaps in 180 years in the world before it. And um, and yet history will, you know, as it's written in years hence, if it's written in years hence, will consider it a blink of the eye, you know? You've read history books. People read history books, world history books, civilizational history books. And 80 years is almost nothing, right? You just kind of almost nearly gloss over it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And you were thinking, you were thinking, what will the kids today, what will the kids today think about, what will the kids today, what will be written about the kids today in the history books, years hence, those that are marching saying, cleanse the world of Jews from the river to the sea. What will the history books say of them? And you were asking, David, how did you put it? Will we say the same things we said of the 60s?
2: Well, yes, that was essentially my question. You know, will history in five years, ten years, we don't have a crystal ball exactly. We can't look in the future. But will history look on the protesters of today as we have previously looked on the... Protesters of the late '60s, the pro-NVA, the victory for North Vietnam protesters, the ones that uh, burned garments of clothing in the streets and uh, chained themselves in front of buses and things like that. We don't look very favorably on them now. Not in the sense of uh, negative, but uh, I, I brought this up with you over the weekend. I had I I first asked you. Have you ever seen Forrest Gump? And I was a little concerned. You know, I had to make sure that you'd seen it because that's important and it's American. And if you hadn't, we would have had even further problems. But uh, I, I brought it up and I wanted to. Discuss. What did
1: I respond?
2: You said over 10 times. Yeah. So, you know, he's still an American, folks. <laughs> he's...
1: This from the man who chose Electric Horseman over Jaws, but okay.
2: Oh, there's the burn again. <laughs> um. I, I wanted to see, first of all, if you'd seen it. And I said, do you remember Jenny? And you said, yeah, okay. And I was like, well, she do you is... you remember Jenny? <laughs> do you what, remember
1: Quint? Yeah, okay.
2: She is what we portrayed the protesters of the late 60s as, as recently as the Clinton administration. I think Forrest Gump came out in, what, like 95 or thereabouts? We were portraying someone like Jenny as having suffered through childhood trauma... And gone into her young adulthood, very confused, having come out of an abusive relationship with a single parent, and going into the world with eyes that looked upon everyone as suspicious and evil, joining into protest groups, and slowly but surely throughout her life, turns into someone who is eventually a sexual deviant and dies of AIDS, if I'm not mistaken. It's sad... And that is how we portrayed those who were protesting and those who were out in the streets with the NDA flags in 1968-69. I don't know. I don't know if we will be portraying protesters of today like that. I don't know if we will look upon them with eyes of sadness that said they were confused, they had some mental illness, that yes, they were good-intentioned, but it wasn't perhaps the right use of their life, and they got on the wrong track. I don't know if we'll look back. With our crystal ball yeah. on today, right now in history, and have the same thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even know if I mean. There's a lot of categories here. First of all, I don't know that we look on the '60s radicals as um, as fools or as 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 ne- as anything negative. Keep in mind the irony of September 1st excuse me, of September 11th, 2001 in the New York Times. The irony of September 11th, 2001 in the New York Times had a big encomium to Bill Ayers. They had a big interview with Bill Ayers praising him and he saying he doesn't regret setting bombs, he wishes he set more. That was in the New York Times on September 11th, 2001. Obviously, it went to print the night before. So I don't know that we look down on these guys. Bill Ayers is a professor today. And that's... Angela Davis, who is responsible for the deaths of policemen and judges, is a professor today. Spoke at ASU. No one said a thing. Most of these people, if they stayed in school, went on to become the professors of the students we're seeing today, and they're perpetuating this very cycle. So I don't... They weren't scorned and shunned by society. Jenny is herself an interesting touchstone. Jenny isn't Jane Fonda. No, 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 no. No, I'm saying this very seriously. Jane Fonda knew what she was doing when she sat on an anti-aircraft gun that was used to kill Americans. Jane Fonda knew what she was doing. Jenny probably didn't. Jane Fonda grew up in a privileged house. Jenny obviously didn't. Jenny and Jane are two very different people. And you and I got into this discussion of the feminist movement that was part and parcel of all this, right? You called them the bra burners Yes, like
2: that. that's what I said.
1: <laughs> and my first inclination was to think this was a, this was a separate thing. Because if you just took that group in and of itself— These were feminists marching for their own version of rights, misbegotten though they may have been. They weren't out and out attacking violently fellow Americans and giving vocal vocal support to our military enemy and planting bombs. But when I ran it by a mutual friend, he pointed something out using Jenny. Who was she with when Forrest Gump beat up her boyfriend? She' was with a Black Panther.
2: We don't look It up. was
1: all part and parcel of the same movement and effort, right? One can be a victim and get caught up in that stuff. perhaps even acquiesce in it because they don't know better and they didn't have parents to teach them better. There was never an adult in their life to teach them otherwise. And one can be very sentient about what they are doing and cognizant about what they are doing. But I don't think this country yet has scorned that generation that wrought so much damage. They made them college professors. We'll be right back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and equality of life? Or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions and the decimation of small businesses and changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you have trusted the Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. It's Midas Gold Group, the only precious metals dealer. Seb Gorka and I trust. 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at Midas goldgroup.com. You wanted to say
2: something more? David? Sure. I don't think we look upon the Black Panthers favorably or haven't. I mean, the Weathermen—that's those sort of associations, they were terrorists, domestic terrorists. Perhaps we are suffering through the beginnings of a shift in a historical perspective as a result of the educators right now that were part of that hippie generation. I Another example, if we're talking about film, that I can think of is uh, The Enforcer by Clint Eastwood. I don't know if you recall that one. It's one of the Dirty Harry movies. They're Ban the Bomb guys. And most of the Ban the Bomb people in the 1980s were associated with churches and religious institutions. And we now understand that they were, again, misguided. Most of them were very peaceful. And the Reagan administration showed us that diplomacy through strength worked in the end. However, in The Enforcer, we are encountered with a group of hippies in San Francisco of all places, the Flower City, who uh, kidnap the mayor, if I'm not mistaken, and hold him ransom to meet their demands. I think we are suffering through the revisionist history of people like that, who have grown up and taught the history people like Angela Davis who are now teaching the history and running in the university circuits i think that's where we have but how
1: people. can you say that they haven't that that they've been you know that they've been sanctioned to the dustbin when you have that where do you think these chants by any means necessary are coming from they're coming from Stokely Carmichael and that whole black power movement where do you think what What's the difference between BLM and the Black Power, Black Panther movement? BLM, BLM was its natural successor based on socialist Marxist principles as they admitted to. Of course. And 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 this country fell over itself and couldn't rush fast enough to embrace it. That's not a sanction against that movement. That's an embrace of it, isn't it?
2: Uh, very much so in a modern sense. I think – we have shifted attitudes again like i was pointing out the whole jenny thing was 30 years ago in the clinton administration very recent time that was how history looked upon the past then now we are in the midst of changing and again i'm worried that future history 10 5 2 years from now will look on the protesters 2023 as these gallant white knights fighting yeah. for liberty and justice yeah
1: that's 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 the concern just as we've done with all these other Marxists in American history, who, as we've done with Marxism. You know, <laughs> Marxism has led to the death of over 100 million people worldwide. And we have the New York Times that does a happy birthday Karl Marx. We have Teen Vogue, which is teaching children the virtues of Marx and making no bones about it. We have the Cartoon Network doing the same thing. They've won in some respects. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. They've won. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we have to, right. <laughs> we have to fight to get Bethany Mandel's book in a s in a bookstore and or to a you school see why library. I
2: have a lot of worries, hmm? about, and now you see why I have a lot of worries. Where I think today we're not going to look upon the uh, protesters. With as negative eyes as we did in the past. I
1: don't know that we ever looked at them negatively. That's the only difference you and I have. It's the only difference you and I have. I think they won and they always won. All right, we'll come back. You know, welcome back. Thank you. I was, um, you know, I was thinking about this notion of future history books and what they'll write. David, based on the conversation you started, initiated, and... The conversation around it and it led me to last week we talked about reagan's time for choosing speech um and the anniversary of it uh almost 50 years ago in 1976 ronald reagan um Ronald Reagan spoke impromptu at the Republican National Convention. And I wonder if you can give me that audio. He gets into this notion of how history will treat us and how – anyway, play it and then I'll comment if you don't mind.
3: If I could just take a moment and – I had an assignment the other day. Someone asked me to write a letter for a time capsule that is going to be opened in Los Angeles a hundred years from now, on our tricentennial. It sounded like an easy assignment. They suggested I write something about the problems and issues of the day, and I set out to do so, riding down the coast in an automobile, looking at the blue Pacific out on one side and the Santa Inez Mountains on the other, and I couldn't help but wonder if it was going to be that beautiful a hundred years from now as it was on that summer day. And then, as I tried to write... Let your own minds turn to that task. You're going to write for people a hundred years from now who know all about us. We know nothing about them. We don't know what kind of a world they'll be living in. And suddenly, I thought to myself, if I write of the problems, they'll be the domestic problems of which the president spoke here tonight, the challenges confronting us, the erosion of freedom that has taken place under Democrat rule in this country the invasion of private rights, the controls and restrictions on the vitality of the great free economy that we enjoy. These are our challenges that we must meet. And then again, there is that challenge of which he spoke, that we live in a world in which the great powers have poised and aimed at each other horrible missiles of destruction, nuclear weapons that can in a matter of minutes arrive in each other's country and destroy virtually the civilized world we live in. And suddenly it dawned on me, those who would read this letter a 100 years from now will know whether those missiles were fired. They will know whether we met our challenge. Whether they have the freedoms that we have known up until now will depend on what we do here. Will they look back with appreciation and say, thank God, For those people in 1976 who headed off that loss of freedom, who kept us now a 100 years later free, who kept our world from nuclear destruction, and if we failed, they probably won't get to read the letter at all because it spoke of individual freedom, and they won't be allowed to talk of that or read of it.
1: Thank you, David. Hold it right there. This is our challenge. Yeah. Right? It's the point when we think about what the history books will write and say about us in this period of time, this epic we're living in. Who will read it and how they will read it and what they will read depends very much on how we handle it now. We are not just acting, really, for our own survival, or we shouldn't be. We should be acting for a future. We We used to know this notion well we used to think I think it was even a leftist notion for a while that we weren't granted this earth by inheritance from our ancestors we're borrowing it for our progeny I think that's a line Helen Caldicott used to end her speeches with and Never mind the source. Think about it in the way Ronald Reagan cast it and pitched it. Think about it in the way in which we're thinking about how we act now. And think about the stakes. Think about the stakes. It's an interesting thing when you think about it in relationship to Israel. It was the country that was founded after... I mean obviously it has roots going back thousands of years and people have lived Jews have lived there for thousands of years but it was created in the modern era to prevent the very kind of thing that happened on October 7th to give people a safe place from that I was talking to a friend driving back from Philadelphia over the weekend and he said he's he's never ever seen he's never seen about my age, a little older he he's never seen so much security private security guards hired in front of in front of Jewish buildings on college campuses like Hillel houses and Habad houses, etc. He said he'd just never seen such a thing, and it never dawned on him that he ever would see such a thing. and I said again, the history point, the history of the world is that. The history of the world is one long trail of miserable tears against the Jewish people. The last 70 years or so, maybe the last 80 years, have been maybe an asterisk and a blip. You don't know how good you have it. David Rubin was on with uh, Adam Carolla on Friday. Did you hear it, Bill? It's a great interview, wasn't it? It was really good. And he was saying... You know, on all the other issues we have as well, we didn't realize how good we had it in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, he said we had our problems with a few marginal differences. We could have fixed things here and there. But we don't realize how good we, we had it and we've, we've turned into a society that just wants to commit suicide now with no sense of history whatsoever. And we're listening to experts who learned their history five minutes ago. Everyone wants to contextualize things. We're listening to people who have no context or understanding of history. None. Adam was joking, but it wasn't much of a joke. He said, I know, I saw it during COVID. People who had never heard of ivermectin went on CNN and were asked about ivermectin, and they were told in the green room, you have to be against it, and they all of a sudden became a five-minute expert on ivermectin. You see it with the Middle East. People with no context lecturing us, The New York Times has now been caught five times quoting Middle East experts from Gaza and the West Bank who Barry Weiss took about an hour to see have been writing praiseworthy notes to the slaughterers. That's who you're listening to. That's who you're learning from. Somewhat educated people who are ignoramuses. Somewhat educated people who know not just enough to be dangerous. How we, how we meet this challenge will determine whether history books will even be written. I, that doesn't make sense. If everyone had an ocean across the USA, then everybody would be surfing in California. They wouldn't need to be in California if everyone had an ocean throughout the USA. Did, maybe, did no one stop to tell them that?
2: Maybe California is a state of mind.
1: Oh, you're one of those? (laughs) You're one of those?
2: I don't know. Oh, jeez. We need more Beach Boys. Bumpers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we need
2: more Beach Boys.
1: Let me put in a word for our sponsor, Y-Refi. They're great people. They do a lot in the community as well as for you if you are an investor. They have a portfolio. It's got a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or... The Fed, it's a portfolio with a ton of flexibility. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. And no penalty if you need or want your money back at any time. No fees, secure and collateralized. Why refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter y then refy.com or give them a call at 888 yrefi 24 888 two 24 David, do you realize how much trouble this world would be in if we didn't have Fox News Talk Radio or Twix?
2: Yes, we'd be in a heap of trouble.
1: Yeah, we'd be in a heap of trouble. We'd be in a heap of trouble. And it's not even as if that audience that follows alternative reporting on Twix or Fox News or here or on conservative talk radio, it's not as if it's all different people, and it's not as if it's the majority of people. But it allows some truth to creep through. Allow some of it.
2: I like the way they call it in Britain the loyal opposition.
1: The loyal opposition. Yeah,
2: we have an opposition here.
1: The loyalty is of question. And it's in charge. It's in charge. It's in charge of our government. It's in charge of most of our major institutions. And it's mostly opposed to the idea of the West. the principles upon which this country was founded on. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. Anyway, all right, Brandon Weikert will straighten us out. We'll be right back.